Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm awfully excited to welcome back Robert Wogelmuth to the program. He's written a book called Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. When that uh, second time that gun goes off, it gives the runners a chance to know they're on their last lap. So we're going to find out all about that. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Nice to see you again. <laughs> I, t- I agree. I'm yeah. looking at your picture. You're looking at mine. It's like we're uh, connecting. That's, that's true. Yeah. With, Perfect. Yeah. So I, I want to hear about your book, Gunlap. So tell me why, you know, just for starters, why you decided to write this book. Um, all right. So I'm getting older. <laughs> and I, I wanted to help other guys who are getting older. Okay. Too. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, easy so, enough. The, the gun lap is the last lap of a race around a track, a distance race around the track. The starter fires the pistol to start the whole race, and then when the lead runner begins his final lap, the starter sh- shoots the gun again, and that's the gun lap. And that's what we're in right now. Yeah, and it's uh, no small thing, is it? Boy, it is no small thing. That's the understatement. Whatever else you say today, it is that. That's an understatement for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And yeah. we need to pay attention. We need to uh, make sure that we're staying focused. And uh, there are some interesting stats, and a lot of uh, men will sometimes uh, shift their life into neutral at kind of a young age, uh, maybe trying to retire a little bit early. And and you're yeah. suggesting we got to make sure every day counts. It, it's the truth. And, and yet... Uh, you know, you're at a place in your life. Okay, so I'm 73. Oh wow! I don't know if I should. Admit you don't look that. 73. I'm se- Thank you. Wow. <laughs> That's because you're looking at a high school picture. Of me. <laughs> yeah. Rule one: I'm never change stupid. your promo picture. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Just a minute. Let me get the walker over here right, so it doesn't right. get in the way of the right, phone. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but you're right. This is a serious deal. And so, a guy my age. Uh, can be overwhelmed with regrets, can find himself doing a lot of uh, self-conversation, self-deprecation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, wake up in the night and feel like your your life is over, that you're not worth anything. Oh, boy. Your phone stops ringing, your, your phone stops ringing or slows down. Uh, email, not, I mean, maybe you're retired from your work. I mean, all kinds of reasons for a guy my age to begin to feel useless. And and so I, I I'm writing this book to be an encouragement to guys my age to say, look, I don't care how you feel right now. There's a lot of mileage left on those tires, mm-hmm. and let's make good use of let's make good use of the years that you have in front of you. Don't stop. Don't stop. Yeah, and Robert, I'd say this is an opportunity to maybe have some of your most productive and fruitful years in ministry starting at this stage. Oh, it's absolutely right. I talk about that. You know, I. I talk about the fact that most guys in their 60s, sometimes late 50s, certainly in, the, in their 60s, have more time than they used to have, fewer demands. So what are you going to do with that? Are you going to watch Netflix? No. Are you going to just hang out? Are you going to play shuffleboard? 
are you going to find new ways to minister? And so, you know, so you're in church and the pastor says, we need fill in the blank. We need Mm -hmm. volunteers for the kids or for the little kids, or we need uh, somebody once a month to to do the nursery, whatever. And you, you think to yourself, you know, I've always just said no to that stuff. I've been too busy, whatever, but I could say yes now. And this is a great time in your life to do something highly productive. And, and so that's my encouragement in this book. Don't stop. Yeah. And Robert, can any of us say we know when the gun lap is going to go off? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've had to take kind of a crack at that. What I'm saying is this book is really written for guys in their fifties. And I would say probably the gun lap starts at 60. That's, that's that's anecdotal evidence, uh, not highly researched. Because I mean, every guy is different, right? You know, guys who are in their seventies and very vibrant and getting a lot of stuff done, and guys who are in their fifties are quitting. Right. So you know, it's it. This is a moving target for sure. Yeah. What are some of the things that push guys into this uh, off the sidelines? I'm I'm out of the game kind of mentality. What do you What do you think contributes to that? Well. Um, here, here's something. In fact, this this bill was the inspiration for this book. I'm lying in bed in the middle of the night, and guys my age, without getting into too graphic detail, guys my age have to get up at least twice in the night. Right? Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I get this, right? Right. So you got to get up, and then you come back, and you're trying to go back to sleep. And I'm lying there, and I, I'm beginning to find myself being very critical of myself. Hmm. Um. You know, uh, listening to the voices, saying, you know what? Um, in fact, this past year, I've had two different cancers. And then on top of COVID, I mean, it's been a hard year. So I'm lying there thinking, do I really have anything left to contribute? I mean, is there any reason that I ought to keep trying and pushing and, 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 and whatever? And so that self-conversation just about did me in. And then I bumped into Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh uh, writer and, and preacher, and he he writes about this self-conversation thing, and here's what he does. And boy, I tell you, you and other guys, maybe wives of guys listening right now, don't fall into the trap of listening to yourself. <laughs> speak, to your, speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. Speak with that guy. Speak with that guy. Don't acquiesce. Mm-hmm. Don't let that guy, you know, and I... I grew up in a tradition where uh, work uh, was sometimes more important than grace. So I feel really good about myself when I get something productive done, and I feel bad about myself if I don't. So, you know, performance-based faith, I mean, anybody out there put their hands in the air and say, yeah, that's me. Well, first of all, it's God's grace. So none of us are worthy, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus died for us and rose again to give us life abundantly. So that's a big deal. But don't find, and this is, I'm preaching to myself, don't lie there listening to the voice, speak that, speak back to the voice. Say, I want, I want you, this is the word, this, I, I never let my kids say this, but shut up. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to the, I'm not going to listen to this voice. Uh-huh. I'm going to speak back to this voice and say, don't talk to me like that. I'm going to tell you who I am in Christ. And I'm not. I'm not going to succumb to this this bad language, this bad thought. This, and and it, and it, it isn't just motivational stuff. This is absolutely in Christ. I am. I am worthy of His love. Right. 
So I'm not going to lie there thinking, you know, I'm not worth anything. My health isn't what it used to be. You know, I, I'm winded walking up and down the steps. What, what, what good am I? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, Jesus says, you're worth dying for. There's a lot of good that you can do and snap out of it. You know, this is like Bob Newhart counseling me. <laughs> Stop get, it. Get on, get on <laughs> with it. Exactly. Get on with it. Yeah. Don't give up. So that's the point of this book. Yeah, I love that. So if you were to come back from the bathroom, crawl back into bed and start speaking truth in your heart, God has a plan that I'm excited to be part of. God has information about my, my name on it. It's got your name, it's on got it. my name on it. It does. That's right. Yeah. That's and right. God has information about my life. I don't have, and I uh, trust his sovereign plan. So I can't wait to Amen. get back to sleep so I can get up in the morning and do what he's <laughs> ordained me to do. Preach it, brother. Oh, yes. bring it on. Exactly. Why didn't I write your yes, foreword? Sir. Is it too late? <laughs> oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. We're on press. Yeah. Okay. My buddy Mike Hyatt, my, actually, Mike, my, my buddy Mike Hyatt gave us an endorsement. Mike and I have known each other for 30 years, and he's 10 years younger than I am. I don't know if you know that name, but Mike is very well known in this business. And so uh, he was an encouragement to me because he, he read this and said, I've known this guy for 30 years, and, and he's living what he's writing about. That's awesome. Now, Robert, you, yep. uh, I'm going to just brag about you a little bit. You're, you're a, a very driven high achiever that's made a big impact in the Christian community, uh, through all mm-hmm. your work and all of the influences that you've had and been a part of. And I'm thinking, yeah, I, you, you hit a point where you slow down and you start to go, I'm not producing at the level I once was. That has got yep. to nudge you a little bit, doesn't it? Hey, Wogelmuth, yes, it you does. still worth, you still worth some, something? Exactly. And part of it, your body is is not not friendly anymore. I mean, I, I mean, it's not funny. I'm getting old. I can't do physically the things that I used to do. Yeah. So uh, you and I, are, you know, our hearts are connected to our bodies. What what we can do, and I said earlier, that makes me feel productive. If I do something meaningful, then I have worth. Jesus says, "Stop that, man." Yeah. You have worth. Period. Done. You don't have to perform. For me to love you and and to uh, to speak through you and to empower you, so I talk about mentoring in this book, chapter called "A Nice ROI, Return on Investment." So I've interviewed guys who I love, my brothers. I've got three brothers, and they're amazing. Uh, two of them are older, one younger, and and my next oldest brother, Ken, mentors young men. He's got when I ask him to tell me about these men, like sometimes like ten at a time. Wow. And he started to cry. He started to cry on the phone, naming these young men who he has spoken into. He's taken the time to love these young men. I mean, it's an amazing story. So that's that's a very that's that's chapter eight in this book. A nice return on investment. So yeah. those are the kinds of things, Bill, that men my age and your age, you're not quite as old as I am, can do with their lives. It's a very cool thing. Yeah, uh, Robert, speak to discipleship a little bit because anyone at any age can meet with somebody and share their wisdom and their years of following Christ and speak that truth into another person's life. That's right. And all you have to do is do it. Yeah. You know, and and this is this is not some fancy program where you've got you you have to sign up to this guy and say, look, uh you know, let's let's meet for you know, once a week for the next sixteen years. This is very informal. This can be very informal. In fact I tell the story that I that of, of failure. I had a young man in my church when um, my late wife and I lived in Florida, and he wrote me an email and he said, 
would you mentor me? And I was building a business and working like crazy. I mean, sleeping on the to get this business off the ground. And I said, I don't have time. And I mean, I look back on that bill and I think, what a, what a jerk. How Mm -hmm. stupid to not take the time, especially the guy asks me to, to, uh, to mentor him. The amazing thing, speaking of God's grace, I lost track of him. He moved to Tennessee. I lost track of him. Uh, two months ago, out of nowhere, I got an email <laughs> from him. And I was I was able to say, oh, Chris, I'm so glad to hear your voice. I have something to confess. I said, I, I thought I was too busy. You asked me to mentor you. And I said, no. So, I mean, that's, this is not from an ivory tower. I'm not looking at, at other guys our age, my age, and saying, you know, I do as I do. Right. I'm, I'm, conf- I'm confessing that I've gotten overwhelmed with being too busy and haven't stopped to help younger men along the way. It's, it's easy. You just have to put your hand in the air and say, here I am. I'm happy to volunteer. Yeah. Take a little break. We'll come back lots more with Robert Wogelmuth. He's written a book called Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Be right back. Presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back. Robert Walgamuth is my guest. He's written a book called Gunlap, and that is uh, in a long distance race. The starter fires his pistol for the second time, and this signals the start of the gun lap, which is the last chance to leave it all out on the track. And his book will equip you with uh, tremendous biblical truths for your days ahead, and he will also uh, share encouraging stories of men who are in the race, just like you, or maybe even ahead of you, and also challenge you to live the rest of your life with grace and strength. Robert, I'd love for you to talk about the way the world says how you should enjoy retirement, what it what it should look like, and uh, th- the different message that we as Christians should, you know, take some of that enjoying uh, enjoyment from retirement, but also have uh, that gun lap go off to make sure we live with purpose. What a what a question! In fact, right now I've got this imaginary shield and I'm holding it up. <laughs> somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to get really ticked off at what I'm about to say. Okay, but I've got. A bunch of friends, college friends, friends I love, people that I've stayed in touch with who have bought an RV and they're pulling a Jeep around the country and seeing sights and, you know, stopping at Stuckey's and getting pralines. <laughs> and, and, and I've got friends who live in Central Florida um, at a gigantic commune. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know what you're um, speaking of. Yeah, yeah. And so they they don't even have a car. They've got a golf cart. Yeah. And and so and I have to be really careful because, I mean, I'm dead serious. I have friends whom I love, friends I would take a bullet for. But they are they're they're getting ready to do square dancing and um, shuffleboard. And, you know, I picture this place, Bill, stocked 
with brilliant, experienced men who are playing cards. And there's a whole world of younger men who would give anything to sit down with a guy who spent his life as a lawyer or as a businessman or as a doctor or as a pastor or whatever and say, teach me. Mm-hmm. What what can I learn from what you've done? Uh, and, and that, you know, again, I have to be so careful because Am I playing more? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm taking some time off, and I'm I'm doing stuff that I'm enjoying. But is it really worth giving my life to what I've just described? You know, the uh, hanging out with other guys my age and sharing stories and telling jokes and playing cards. Mm-hmm. Isn't there more ministry to do? Isn't there more that I could give my life to? So, you know, again, I'd be really careful because I'm not on a soapbox. I'm not yelling and screaming. I'm just saying to men my age, you could invest. You could invest not a lot of time. You've got experience that God has given to you, more more failure than, than success, right? So come alongside a young man. And I tell stories in the book, again, stories of failure, but also the Lord has given me, in fact, I've just sold my business to two young men. Three young men who I've been mentoring for 17 years. And the joy of standing back and watching these guys run a a pace on a track I could never have run. But it it took my intentional investment in their lives. And talk about ROI. I mean, it's been unbelievable to see how God is using these guys. Much, much going much further than I ever could have gone. Mm -hmm. So it's. It's a it's a great investment. All you have to do really is pay attention to what's going on and still be teachable. I I, I want to be teachable. I want the guys who are listening to me or the wives who are listening to be teachable. I want you to I want you to to be reading constantly. I want mm-hmm. you to be in the Word. Um, I lost my wife and my first wife in 2014, and she was a voracious Bible student. Uh, not so she could write or teach, just because she loved God's Word. So every morning when I'd get up, she'd get up an hour before me in the dark, and I'd walk past her chair, and she's studying, and I go upstairs. I'm working on my business. I'm even writing Christian books. I've got this Christian literary agency, all this Christian stuff. But she was the one that was in the Word, and the Lord took her home in 2014, the morning after the funeral, Bill. I'm sitting in her chair. And the Lord says to me, Robert, you're lazy. You have, you, you have consigned day-to-day study in my word to your wife. What were you thinking? And I, I'm not boasting. This is absolutely the truth. This has been six and a half years. And maybe I've missed 10 mornings in six and a half years. I was soaking in the word, spending the first hour with the Lord. And it's, it's been unbelievable. And I would take a man my age and lovingly taking by the shoulders and looking square in the eye and say, bud, don't you dare neglect spending time in God's word. Don't, don't forget getting on your knees and praying that God will use you in amazing new ways. Pray for your kids and your grandkids. Pray for the kids that play on your street. All kinds of things, even at your age when you can't run as fast as you used to run, where God can use you in amazing ways. That's what I want to say in this book. I love it. Robert, uh, my mentor uh, took four international missions trips in the last four Uh, years. 
He leads five Bible studies a week, and in October, he turns 92. Oh, God bless this man. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that is so great. That's a hero. And you know what? Yeah. Probably nobody would recognize his name if you said it. But, well, in this you know, town, many would, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, you know, my, my stepfather died when I was 17 and he showed up in my kitchen that day and said, let's have breakfast next week. I said, well, okay, I'm 17. So we met for breakfast once a week for the next 12 years. That's incredible. Your stepfather. Yeah, my stepfather died. That's an incredible died. story. Yeah, my stepfather died. So he came alongside me. I don't think he wanted, he wanted to make sure I didn't slip through the cracks. Point is, he's 92 oh. right now and he's still leading five Bible, oh, this Bible is the studies same a week. Guy. This is the same guy you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. What a story. Oh, yeah. what a gift. What a gift <laughs> that the Lord gave you by way of this man. Yeah, it's and really you know true. What? You can you can be an answer to prayer for somebody else. I who, I feel who, like I'm years or 20 years from I feel like I must do that, Robert, in order to there you go. pay it forward. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, we have a couple minutes a couple minutes left and I could talk to you forever, but um talk about some of the men who might read this book who are not yet on their gun lap. Uh, get ready. Okay. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. All right. So, yeah. Um, this guy, a very smart guy years ago, said, Do, to be prepared is half the victory. So, and, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, when you go to the doctor, they don't really help you get ready to be sick. They help you when you're sick. Right. So not a lot of, you know, talking about how healthy healthy you eat or if you exercise. But that's all. In fact, I, there's a whole chapter there on your physical stamina. And, you know, I talked to a guy that it's called In Shape for This Race. I love it. Uh, last week, I, I met with him, a guy named Ken Davis. You probably know Ken. I know Ken well. In the same yeah, I know Ken yeah. well. Yeah, so Ken, I'm Ken's agent. And Ken showed me a picture. He was standing on the beach holding his grandson's hand. And the picture was from behind him. And he looked like a beach manatee. <laughs> I'm sure those were Ken's words he, he used. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they sure were. And when he saw that picture, he said, I said to myself, if that grandson had gone swimming into the ocean and was in trouble, I would not be in good enough health to, to, to help him, to save his life. Wow. And he said, God, God spoke to me in that moment. And Ken became a triathlete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying that you've got to you've got to be a triathlete, but your physical condition has a lot to do with your ability to do what the Lord has called you. Yeah, Robert, thanks for writing this book. It's an important subject, uh-huh. and it's coming at a great time. There's a lot of men that are wondering uh, how they're going to finish the race. So this is a significant yeah. uh, book, and thank you so much for doing the interview today. Uh, my pleasure. Good to talk to you, Bill. Bless Thank you, you so much. Yep. Robert Wogelmuth has been my guest, and his book is called Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Robert Wogelmuth, W-O-L-G-E-M-U-T-H. We'll take a short break, and you could bet we'll be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? 
So how do you like the idea of just living simply, simplifying life? We're going to talk about that today with uh, pastor and author Rusty George, the lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern Cal. It's a multi-site church. It's got campuses everywhere. It's quite a growing church. It's one of the fastest ones growing out there. And uh, we're always glad to have Rusty on the program. I should say I am because I like Rusty and he's with us today. Rusty, welcome. Thank you for having me, Bill. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you for saying that. I sounds like you meant it. I, <laughs> I've been working hard on it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a good actor there, Rusty. Well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I want to just mention your book again because it's brilliant. After Amen, what to do when you're waiting on God? I mean, because you've prayed about it. Now what? Yeah, there's just so much that we uh, we wonder after we hang up the phone. You know, did it go through? Did God <laughs> get our text? Mm-hmm. Uh, is He going to reply? Did I ask did nice I miss enough out on something? Yeah, and so I think we all wonder. What are we supposed to do? I know I wondered that. And so a few years ago, I thought, well, I'll just try to find a book on that. And there's not a lot out there. There's a lot on how to pray. There's a lot on how to, on what to say when you pray, but very little on what to do after you pray. So I thought, well, I wonder if there's anything we can do after we pray that might actually impact how well we've been heard or the answer we might receive. So I started looking at when people would come to Jesus and ask him for things, for, you know, uh, for someone to be healed or something to be amended in their life or whatever it was. And Jesus' answers were quite interesting. They often involved us doing something after the request. And I grouped these together into seven things that kind of line out the things that we should do after we say amen, and I've just seen them to bring uh, great fruit in people's lives. That's awesome. Are we going to talk about that today? Because we certainly can. We I'll, yeah, I'm we can want to talk, talk about, about whatever you want to. Well, I want to talk about what you want to talk about because I want to talk about living life simply and simplifying. That's sure. really a great topic. But I also love what you just said too. So I want I want everything. Okay. <laughs> well, let's start with living simple. <laughs> All right. Talk fast, Rusty. Talk fast. Let's... Well, uh, I happened into the podcast world a few years ago, and it started off with me just kind of giving the extras to the sermon. You know, I'd spend all this week working on a message for the weekend. I'd get up and deliver it. And as a professor of mine used to say, you can't take everything from the kitchen into the dining room. (laughs) And so I I couldn't share it all. So uh, we had to figure out what to do with it. And Mm -hmm. I hated just to throw it away. So I just started doing some some podcasts uh, on Monday morning with here's kind of the message 2.0 or the leftovers or however you want to call it. And it got good good reviews. Uh, you know, our people in our church liked it. But inevitably, the topics that people really rallied around were anything that would make their life a little less overwhelmed. Mm. And if there's one word for us, it's got to be overwhelmed because we all feel like we're overwhelmed with stuff to do. We're overwhelmed with COVID. We're overwhelmed with politics. Uh, and certainly, you come to following Jesus, and we think, oh, my goodness, so I got all this other stuff I got to do now. When following Jesus may not be easy, but it's, uh, it's not complicated. Uh, Jesus sums it up pretty simply uh, in loving people the way that he loved us. And to, to, to borrow the phrase from Micah, it's really just to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. So we started off by dr- drilling down on that, and then I started bringing on guests and talking to them about how they, you know, have found a way to simplify their lives when it came to discipleship or prayer or reading the Bible uh, or even parenting, 
And now on the podcast, we're doing a focused effort on mental health at least once a month wow. because that is so overwhelming for people right now with what am I feeling? What am I not grieving? What, what should I be doing in order to get right? So that's kind of the whole idea behind the podcast, Leading Simple, that I just happen to host. Okay, I love the, I love the concept, and I want to start hearing some of the greatest hits, comments you, you've been getting from your guests on how to live life mm. simply. Yeah, well, that's that's a really good one. I, I had a, a woman on the on the podcast a few, uh, maybe about a year ago, named Jan Johnson. She writes a lot of books on listening to God, and I was writing a lot about this for After Amen, and I said, you know, kind of sum it up for me. And she said, here's what I think every Christian would do well if they just prayed this prayer. God, how can I love you better for the next 10 minutes? <laughs> and then how can I love my neighbors better in the next 10 minutes. And she was breaking it down in a 10 minute bite-sized nuggets. <laughs> and, I, I, and I thought, well, I, I can get on board with this. And suddenly now I can sit inside and I can watch TV and see all of the plight around the world and think, what could I do? Or when I go outside to take my trash dumpsters out, I could look at my neighbor and talk to him and say, hey, how are you doing? How could I pray for you? Well, now I've actually impacted a life versus feeling really down about how can I change the world. So simplifying things like that uh, goes a long way. I had a guest on. He was a, a former professor of mine in, in college, a guy named Mark Moore. Oh, yeah. He I've had him on book. the show. Oh, he's fantastic. Core 52? guy. Core 52. Yeah. And his, uh, you know, that book was so helpful for our people to kind of understand the Bible uh, with core with these 52 core principles and um, I, I'm sure that your, your listeners benefited greatly from that. But that was very, very simplifying for us. Um, I just had a, uh, a guest on. You've probably heard of her, maybe had her on the show. Her name is Nona Jones. Nope. And she is um, a Christian. She and her husband pastor a church. And, oh, by the way, she happens to be a higher up at Facebook. And so I wanted to talk to her about simplify social media for me because it sure seemed to get angry over the last year. And she helped me understand how Christians could actually evangelize on social media without having to be rude or mean or, um, you know, uh, discrediting to other people. Uh, she simplified for us uh, Facebook groups and how they can be used in a way to actually benefit and bless your church and your community. Um, and she also helped me understand that, you know, some of the, the demonic things that we face in our world uh, that, peer, that kind of peak up, I guess, a little bit on Facebook or other social media, media platforms, that's not necessarily Facebook's fault, but the enemy uses it to distract us from what really matters most. It was a fascinating conversation. So uh, I, I just love doing that. And then we're going to do one on, on Wednesday, tomorrow, uh, and we're going to try to figure out how to simplify our NCAA March Madness bracket. So that's going to be very, very spiritual and helpful for people. <laughs> yeah, it sounds that way. I know my listeners will be busy yeah. listening to my show and not your and not your podcast. So um, yeah. how do we, you know, interesting when you talk about social media, how do we stand apart according to this guest of yours from Facebook? How do Christians uh, differentiate in this very muddy social media? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that is, that was my question as well. Okay. And, and, and what I've discovered is, is we all, want to make a difference, but what we settle for is making a point. Mm. 
and we get on our social media platforms and we're kind of in an echo chamber and we end up being with people that are like us because they kind of group us together that way. We end up kind of saying the same thing, just at louder decibels to one another. And her advice was to do the one thing that most people don't do on social media, and that is ask questions. Tell me why you feel this way. Tell me why this bothers you so much. And inevitably what happens is, is people begin to peel back the onion layers in their own life and figure out, well, why is this so bothersome to me? Why do I think this way? And they begin to discover there's a deeper issue down below that, let's be honest, a, a politician can't ever fix. It's really the love of our Savior that we need. So her stance was to be curious rather than being accusatory, because I think we have this faulty assumption that I'm going to say that one thing that's going to cause people to go, oh, my goodness, I never thought about it that way. You're exactly right. When really the, the purpose of social media is to be social and to ask questions and to learn from each other. Uh, and I, this is the church world, buddy. I mean, we, our, our church has always struggled with we, don't, we, we shouldn't use social media to be a bulletin board of all the things we're doing. We should use it as, a, as basically a way to listen to our community of the things that they need, and then we can see how we can help. Yeah, I don't really see a lot of minds getting changed on social media. However, the Word of God <laughs> can change a mind because it has the power yes, to do so. Can. Yes, it can. And that's, I, I think what happens there is the more you listen, the more you build a friend, and then when you share the Word of God, and you, uh, you know, because it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Word begins to do its work that way, and people will now give you an audience for it, where in the past they didn't. Yeah. I wonder if we ever thought we would be so consumed with our digital uh, phones and iPads and computers that we would be so uh, busy all day long being connected to them. Boy, it, it really is exhausting. I mean, you probably had those moments where you get home at night and you put the phone down and you think, boy, I'm just, I'm just exhausted from all of the conversations I've tried to keep up with. It's interesting. I was just listening to a podcast with Kerry Newhoff, and he was talking with a, a guy that wrote the book Deep Work and Digital Minimalism. And he said that in the early days of email, I believe it was Seth Godin said, we should charge for email. Because if you don't, people will use it in such a way that it overruns everyone. And what, what I see happening is between email, between Facebook messages, Instagram messages, Twitter messages, go on down the line, because it's free, we feel like we can send as many as we want, and then we still feel the pressure to read it all, and then we're just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. All right, Rusty, let's get back to some more ways to live in a simplified manner. Mm. Well, I, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, your, your schedule, the order of your day, mm -hmm. uh, figure, figuring out what matters most, um, planning ahead. I talk a lot about some of the things I've learned from my uh, failed attempts at calendaring and scheduling, <laughs> my, uh, my, my belief for years that I could multitask until my wife finally proved to me that I cannot, uh, and finally just giving up on those things, doing some things really well and, and only a few things. Uh, I had Andy Stanley on a few weeks ago, and he talked about the five questions um, that really can help you get better results. He walked through those from his latest book. Uh, we talk a lot about winning the war uh, of some of the demons in your mind, uh, some of those tapes that keep playing that were 
imprinted upon us when we were kids or from a parent or a coach or, you know, even into our, our, our adult age and we've got coworkers that say things and we never forget them. How do we erase those things, simplify the, the messages, what matters most? Uh, and then sometimes I have a co-host come on with me and, and he'll talk about church issues like how to plant a church and what church planters and church leaders should be thinking about right now. We tend to deal with people that are either leaders of churches or leaders in churches. And so that could be a Sunday school teacher, that could be a youth group leader, that could be a pastor, that could be somebody that goes to church and happens to serve in the parking team um, and just wants to know, boy, I love this, but I'm so overwhelmed. How can I actually fit this into my life? Uh, and then we just try to find some help for it. Mm-hmm. Rusty, what happens when we, we ask God, we we present our prayer requests, and the silence is just deafening? Yeah. I think God's doing something on our hearts right then, and I think our our knee-jerk reaction is just to assume that either he's failed us or we've failed him, Mm. and somehow we've missed something. And so I encourage people to to sit in that silence um, and and recognize that just because we didn't get an instantaneous email back or a tweet back or whatever, it doesn't mean that he's absent, but he's working. Um, I know we just lost uh, Luis Palau uh, last week uh, to cancer, and I heard him say one time, and I have this in the book, that God can give us a variety of answers, and sometimes it's, yes, I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) (laughs) Those those are the prayers we love to pray, and Mm -hmm. we see those answered rather quickly. Sometimes it's, yes, and here's more, and those are even better, right? But sometimes it's, uh, not yet, and sometimes it's a no because I love you too much. And finding God in that is is really kind of the uh, the dance that we do, that uh, relational dance we do with God, and that only comes in spending time with Him. Uh, you know, Jesus tells us, uh, "Here's how you should pray," and He mentions, you know, you go into your room, you close the door. And you talk to your father who hears what it is you pray in secret. And remember, he already knows what you need before you ask him. Well, I read that and I think, oh, well, then why bother asking? Uh, But he's saying that as if to say, you know what? He knows the laundry list. He's on it. But talk to him about how you're feeling. Talk to him about what you're thinking and and what uh, what your fears are if these things don't come about. Because in the talking, we begin to process things. He begins to work on our heart. And then Jesus begins to teach us this Lord's Prayer of setting things right with God. Your will be done, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to sit here for a while until I reorient my priorities. Your will matters most. And that's one of the, of the seven things I encourage people to do while they're waiting on God, and that is to align with his why. What is it he's all about, and why is he working in the world? And what if we got behind that rather than just our own agenda? I like it. Let me take a little break. Pastor Rusty George is my guest. You can go to PastorRustyGeorge.com. Learn more about Rusty, see his good-looking picture and the books and blogs that he's written and also the podcast he's been talking about. We'll be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. 
Pastor Rusty George is my guest. He's lead pastor at Real Life Church in Southern California, and he's written a whole number of books. And the one that I, I like chatting about a little bit today is After Amen, what what to do when you're waiting on God. And we're also talking about living life with simplicity. Because, Rusty, right before uh, we went to break, we were talking a little earlier about people feeling overwhelmed. And as you were talking about people feeling overwhelmed, I added into the mix things like finances are maybe in crisis. There could be health issues that are have surfaced. And then you add that into a year of pandemic and everything else and a lack of connection to people. And I get the overwhelming part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you think about it, if it had just been a normal year, we all would have dealt with financial things, people in our life getting sick, people dying, our own personal health, um, just, you know, kids going away to school, good things, too. Right. And it's all, it's all you know, been turned up because of the COVID crisis. We had about four pandemics last year. You know, we had the COVID pandemic. We had the economic pandemic. We had the election pandemic. Uh, we had the mental health pandemic. There's just so many things we all face at the same time, uh, and it, it really, it really was difficult on us. I, I read the other day that uh, the um, uh, prescriptions for depression medications have gone up 300 percent in the last year. Uh, suicide rates for students were so bad in Las Vegas that they rushed reopening school just to get kids out of the house, out of isolation, and being together again. Um, it, it really is um, a, 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 a difficult time that I think we'll continue to feel the repercussions from for probably at least the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. Rusty, when you think of Scripture and the ministry of Jesus, and he obviously encountered a, a, a wide variety of people who came to him needing something, and they would sometimes uh, receive a mixed response, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. It was interesting. You know, there's sometimes Jesus... Uh, kind of interacts with somebody without their request. That uh, the, the guy at the pool of Bethesda, he's out there and he's begging, and yeah. Jesus walks by and he says, "Do you want to get well?" Which seems like a really odd question to ask a guy who's begging. And his response isn't even, "Yes, I know you can do it. Please heal me." He has an excuse. <laughs> he says, "Well, uh, no one will let me into the pool," which they believe the pool would actually heal them. And you know, here's a guy that didn't even ask didn't seem to have any faith in Jesus, and yet Jesus still heals him. Then you have another time, somebody comes up to Jesus and asks for healing, and he says, "Um, I'll tell you what, why don't you go show yourself to the priest, which, you know, these guys had leprosy, and then if you got healed from that, you needed to go declare that to the priest so they would stop considering you unclean. And these guys have to then take the faith walk towards the priest, still seeing the leprosy on their skin. And it's in that journey that the miracle comes. Oh, wow. We have another guy that comes to comes to Jesus, and and he says, "Can you heal my son?" And Jesus says, uh, "Yeah. Um, why don't you go home, and he'll be healed when you get there." And the guy says, "No, no, 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 no. I have strict orders from my wife to come and get you and bring you to him." And Jesus says, "Just go." And so he does. And along the way, his servant comes and runs after him and tells him, "Your your son was healed." at the same time you talk to Jesus. So you have these things Jesus tells people to do. Sometimes it's go wash your eyes. Sometimes it's go see the priest. And my favorite is the the very first miracle that Jesus does. Mary, his own mother, comes to Jesus and says, they are running out of wine. Can you fix this? And a lot of people assume that 
you know, Mary may not always be just pressing for a miracle, but because weddings were a lot of potluck back then, people may have just assumed Jesus and the disciples were responsible for bringing the wine. And so she goes to her son and says, will you take care of this? Will you run down, you know, the, the street to Kroger and pick up some wine because we've got to we got to help this wedding out. And Jesus says, it's not my time. And I always I can't wait till I get to heaven and ask Mary about what's going on at this moment. But uh, she just looks at the servants and says, we'll do whatever he says. So Jesus tells the servants, I want you to take these six stone water jars, go down to the river, fill them up, bring them back. Now, think about that. We, we would, you know, assume, OK, you fill the water jars, you just put them, uh, you know, with, with the garden hose. Back then, they're, they're dragging them down to the river filling them up. Now they weigh 300 pounds. You're dragging them back in the heat at a wedding, dressed for a wedding. And they do this six times. And then after all the dryers have been filled, that's when they turn to wine. Now think about trip four. (laughs) You're exhausted. You're sweating. You're already at a wedding you don't want to be at because you'd rather be home watching college football. And now suddenly... You're, you're seeing nothing, and yet they keep going. And this is what I, I tell people, that sometimes it's not so much that God said no, it's that you're only in your fourth trip to the river or the fifth or maybe the first. So you just keep doing what you're called to do until God tells you to do something else. Uh, and I think for a lot of us, we'd rather sit at home and wait for that uh, miraculous moment and uh, then see the, the, you know, the skies part. But God seems to work while we wait and while we are working in his waiting. Mm-hmm. And Rusty, thank you for that. Does God always hear our prayers? Yes, I do believe that God always hears our prayers. I think that our, our mistake is we assume that if he doesn't answer our way, then he hasn't heard them. But Jesus tells us that our Heavenly Father does hear us. Now, I do make this caveat. There is a chapter in the book in which I talk through running through the checklist, and I think there are some things that will short-circuit our effectiveness in prayer or even God's ability to say yes to us. Even at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, then your Heavenly Father can't forgive you. Wow, well, that's, that's a big issue. Maybe I should ask, is there somebody I haven't forgiven? We know that if we're harboring sin and we're not confessing it, or if we're just skirting it under the rug and assuming that it's fine, that that does short-circuit our communication with God, um, our inability to let go of grudges and those kind of things. And then there's this fascinating story we read about in, in a couple of the Gospels where Jesus is um, is performing miracles, and then uh, he isn't. And it's fascinating because the text says Jesus was unable to perform many miracles among them because they were offended at him. And I just think that is so, so telling of our world right now, to bring it back to our social media conversation. We as a people, the people of God, have been so offended over the last year, and that's our country too, but I I can't speak on behalf of them, just on behalf of all of us who call ourselves Christians. We're so offended by government. We're so offended by people in our church, by our pastors that either opened their doors or didn't open their doors, by um, things that we read about. We're just so offended 
And yet that seems to be the climate in which Jesus says, yeah, I can't really do any more miracles here because your offense short circuits your connection with God. And so what I tell our people in our church all the time is if you're offended by something, you got to let that go as quick as possible, because if you don't, that will be that barrier that keeps God from working in your life. So does God, does God hear our prayers? I think he does. I think that there are some things that can cause him to say no or to actually decide not to be involved in our life until we get some certain things cleared up. I so enjoy having you on the program, Rusty. Thank you so much for taking time today. Bill, always uh, yeah. always available for you, my friend. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I appreciate you very much, Rusty. All right, Pastor Rusty George has been my guest. You go to PastorRustyGeorge.com. His book that we chatted about today is called After Amen, What to Do When You're Waiting on God. Take a short break. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.